We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome to the RotoWire NFL DFS podcast. We are already at week 11. The season is uh, flying by pretty well. I am Scott Jenstead, joined again today by Derek Van Riper. If you could please rate, rate or review the podcast, we'd greatly appreciate that. If you uh, enjoy listening to us each week, you can give us a, a bunch of stars, leave a nice comment. We would greatly appreciate that. It means a lot for the podcast going forward. So, Derek, we're at uh, week week eleven. I got to give you some props for last week. You were uh, you were big on David Johnson and Leonard Fournette, and I kind of I gave you the oh, well. Why don't you sell me on that? And and you did. And uh, my best team had was actually a DJ Fournette combo last week. So uh, I appreciate your help last week. Hey, you know what? It's rare when I help you because as I look <laughs> at the pentathlon standings every week, if I had a a good DFS partner for that, which is this is exactly what I hear if you're listening to a DFS podcast. But if I had someone else <laughs> collaborating with me every week on there. I could be winning that thing right now because everything else is going well enough where I'm in striking distance, but I have plenty of points to gain in the DFS arena so far this year. But you know what it is? It's that that is a a cash game approach, right? And a lot of what I do is like a single entry tournament mindset where I'm just trying to to hit a a nice big three figure, maybe even a small four figure uh, payout for just having the right lineup in the right contest. And I just think I've really struggled to adjust to doing the safe thing, air quotes. You know, I, I just think if I were just trying to play the same tournament approach in the pentathlon, I'd probably be doing better. Like, I, I'm, I'm almost like trying to play someone else's game, and it's just not working at all for me. 
Well, on the flip side of the pentathlon, and for anybody that doesn't know, the pentathlon's a league that Derek set up that has five different contests. There's a best ball, a regular auction league, a straight-up pick, survivor, and a DFS component each week. And if I had a partner for the other four non-DFS components, I'd be doing great because the DFS part's going well. Yeah, exactly. Like, if, if you and I were, were <laughs> playing this together, we'd be winning we'd be set. right now. Oh, yeah. Like, you and I might be able to go toe-to-toe with, uh, with uh, P&L and, and Teddy. Like, it, it's – that's good. Like, I mean, at least – at least we have a winning combination between the two of us. That makes me feel a little better. Well, there you go. So, uh, but yeah, no, you, uh, David Johnson of Fournette last week, though, you know, it was interesting because, you, you, like you said, you, you know, you're getting stud guys at a price that's not a stud price. And DJ looked awesome. I thought that, uh, you know, your point on Leftwich running the offense differently was very clear last week that they're, they're using DJ in a different way. I, I thought Fournette looked terrible. He did well fantasy wise with the two touchdowns, but I thought he looked awful. I think he was like a, 2.2 yards per carry something so i thought he looked terrible but he worked fantasy wise and dj was great so uh it uh you know you nailed those it was uh, i appreciate it i made a little bit of money off that awesome well the thing is too like the colts defense might be better than people give it credit for it doesn't mean Fournette shouldn't have done more on a per carry basis but they're just one of those teams that i i keep refusing to believe is as good as their record might suggest but they're only giving up 3.9 yards per carry this season so it's been like a top seven run defense in terms of yardage efficiency and they they just i don't know like they, they know the jags can be kind of one-dimensional so maybe that was part of it with Fournette. people didn't trust them overall i mean the ownership rate i looked at the the slant like the nine dollar tournament on DraftKings. leonard Fournette was like 3.5 percent owned last week david johnson was nine percent owned those numbers are both going to go up especially with johnson catching the raiders this week because i think i think david johnson after two left which games is back into the circle of trust for a lot of people as both a cash game play and even like a, a tournament building block that you you want even when the ownership is up. I think uh, I think DJ is the highest percentage running back both in cash and tournament games this week. Yeah, I could see that like low twenty percent range. You think? Yeah, I go twenty two to twenty four somewhere in there. But I think I think he's the uh, I think he's definitely the guy. I think he's still under seven thousand on Fanduel. I just think that a ton of people facing the Raiders are going to just start their lineups with DJ and kind of build from there. Yeah, the Raiders are, are just garbage, and I have no doubt that Arizona can at least hold the same sort of offensive pace, but probably actually build up a lead and just keep feeding David Johnson uh, along the way. Seventy five hundred on DraftKings, I think he's seventy nine hundred on FanDuel this week. You know, reasonable price on both sites, and uh, I, like you said, I, people are going to be all over him. If you were building, let's say, five different tournament lineups, would he be in? two three of them how many would you want to use them in like do you want to actually have a lot of exposure or do you want to be kind of careful yeah and i, I said under seven thousand i actually meant under eight thousand of course on on dj but uh i'd probably be uh i'd probably be one out of five if i was building him there's other uh, other running backs uh, i like a little bit higher and uh, i think maybe in a in a tournament setting where uh you know i uh, i don't fully trust the cardinals yet but obviously they've they've, they've looked uh they've looked a little better the last couple of weeks with leftwich i think probably one out of five is good for me i don't think i'll be severely overweight on dj but i i'm not gonna fade him either i think he's a i think he's a really nice play at the price the other guy that um kind of bounced back in a pretty big way and he was very affordable he's still cheap really on both sides was mark ingram i mean i think with ingram because he shares a backfield with Elvin Kamara, there's always that concern that game flow and different things can steer him away. But you, you got a guy that's under 5K on DraftKings, got an implied team total over 30, sitting at 32, and he gets opportunities in the red zone, like on a good team. Like that's everything you're really looking for. And when you factor in that discount, you have to think that Mark Ingram ends up popping up quite a bit in ownership this week as well. 
Yeah, I, I, we talked about him last week, and I thought it was crazy he was two thousand cheaper than Kamara. And I'm never really a huge Ingram guy, but that much difference was was pretty big to me. He's back over seven thousand on Fanduel this week, and. I don't know. You look at that Bengals defense and it is so freaking bad. I don't know how much we can take from that game. I mean, that, they're just so awful on defense. Obviously they, they replaced their defensive coordinator this week, but so bad. I'm no, I don't know how much I'm taking with that game. Ingram. I think that Kamara is still so much the red zone guy that uh, I think he's clearly the, clearly the guy you want, but uh, yeah, at the price Ingram in, in a game that, uh, you know, could reach 65, 70 points. Uh, it's hard not to like him at a cheap price, getting him in there. I think this is more of a Kamara week than an Ingram week this week, just kind of a feel there, but uh, I have no issue with, if you want to use Ingram at the price. Yeah. The Eagles are you know, much better against running backs than the Bengals. Everyone's better against running backs than the Bengals. <laughs> Schedule gets yeah. a little easier the next couple of weeks. On a few occasions, week 12, they get Atlanta. Week 14, they get Tampa Bay as well. So there's, there, there'll be other spots that look even better for Ingram, but I think the price is still low enough where I'm definitely interested. Yeah, so you mentioned the Eagles-Saints game. We have a – looking at the overall slate, we have only have 10 games this week. We have a short slate. There's six games on by. Of course, unfortunately, the main slate, we lose the uh, the greatest game ever in the Chiefs-Rams uh, with the over-unders like 64, might even go a little higher. So that's the Monday night game, so we do lose that one if you're playing uh, – you have to play the Sunday night, midnight, or the, uh, the Monday night showdown to get to the Chiefs-Rams in there. But looking at our slate – uh, three games that are over 50 in the over under. You mentioned Eagle Saints, the big one at 56. Uh, that any game in the Superdome this year has been huge, huge over unders. Uh, I think they they have the highest number of points scored per game of any other building in the NFL. Uh, Panthers Lions 51, interesting game there. And then Bucks Giants, you know, two teams that aren't very good but uh, score some points. 52 and a half there. Is there a game uh, among the among the games besides Eagle Saints that you really think is a, is a stackable type game? Yeah, I mean, I, I think. Bucks Giants has that feel for me. I yeah, think, it does. I, I think because Ryan Fitzpatrick put up yardage but didn't get touchdowns last week, people are going to be a little bit down on the Bucks, relatively speaking. Um, Evan Ingram was really quiet last week. I like him kind of going back the other way. It's just kind of a matter of do you trust Eli at all as a tournament option? I don't. So it's probably more of a Fitzpatrick sort of build, like Fitz and Evans with maybe Ingram coming back the other way at tight end. Um, you know, I have no reason to steer away from Odell Beckham this week either. I think he can be extremely productive. I, I rarely have any compelling reason to fade him, but that's one of those games where I think it will hit the over/under total. I think it will go over. Yeah, I think I agree there. I mean, Tampa can't, Tampa can't play defense. They can obviously put up yards. I mean, 498 yards last week and three points is that's almost impossible. Like, even if you turn the ball over a ton, which they did, even if you miss some field goals, even if you just go for it a fourth down and butcher it, it's hard to get only three points with 500 yards offense. Yeah, it was weird, too. I mean, with Dirk Cutter just taking play calling duties from Todd Munkin. Yeah, that didn't, that yeah. didn't really make any sense. Mike Evans dropped a TD. Like, I, I loved him last week, too. So to see him have one bounce off his chest in the end zone was extra frustrating. Uh, but I think he can go back to that well. I just think this is a spot where they can – they can fall into this shootout. They can keep pace. If they fall behind, they're going to air it out. They don't. They just don't run it well at all. So that makes fits in the passing game so viable from week to week. Yeah, there's actually a couple of games that I that I like even more than some of these 50 games that are in the, the high 40s. We'll get to as we go game by game. There's a couple of games that I'm really interested in stacking. So we'll we'll kind of hit those and save those when we go game by game. But looking at the low over unders, uh, we have Houston and the Redskins at 42 and a half, uh, kind of a you know rough and tumble kind of game. Then we have the Raiders and Cardinals. Uh, we mentioned DJ earlier, uh, 40 and a half in that game. A lot of that's based on the fact that the Raiders are terrible and have quit. So 
Uh, those two games, uh, they feel pretty stay away from me. I like a couple guys on the Texans, but of those four teams, uh, a little DJ, a lot of DeAndre Hopkins for me, but that's probably about it in those four teams. Yeah, Washington is like a quarter turn away from Oakland offensively, which considering <laughs> that they're six and three is a really strange thing to say, but I just yeah. week in and week out, I don't see much to get excited about there. I try to pick spots with Jordan Reed. That hasn't really gone well this season. We know Adrian Peterson's really game script dependent. Uh, the receivers are, they're just a mess. Like I, I, I Josh Doxson is as talented as he was coming out of TCU. You just wonder if the injuries have caused him to lose a step. I know he picked up the, the lone TD last week, but I'm, I'm not excited really about anything in the Washington offense. And that's one of those games where it's like, you have these two good teams that are on track to possibly win their divisions. And yet I don't really know what to make of Washington, especially the only challenge here is that Houston is to go on the road. You know, this is one of those spots where I'm really curious to see what Deshaun Watson is able to do. Fantasy football is a wonderful world when Houston, Washington doesn't really intrigue us, but the Bucks and Giants do. Right. I mean, that's, that's <laughs> pure fantasy. You get two, six and three teams going at it. And, and we're here and we're like, no, nah, Bucks, Giants, the three and six, two and seven matchups where you want to be. <laughs> did you see, uh, did you see the Redskins stat about lead changes going around Twitter this week? I may have seen it. What uh, refresh my memory, if you don't mind. They, they have not had a lead change so far this year in nine games. They've, they've they've scored first in six games, never trailed in those six games. They've they've scored second in in the other three games and never taken the lead. They have not had one lead change in any game all year long. That is really really odd. That is Alex Smith to a T. If you're trailing, you're dead. If you're ahead, he won't make a mistake. It's kind of perfect. <laughs> And yet I have no faith in this team at all. Like, even if they win the division, no. like, I expect them to no. lose to the six or the five seed, whoever they would play in the first round. Yeah. I mean, what, what are they? they they're going to get beat by somebody. It's one of those teams. Be a, they'll be a home underdog. And it's just, just you can see that one playing out that we've seen that many, many times. Uh, that's a team that you want to play against in the playoffs. I just don't think I just don't think Alex can do enough in the second half of a playoff game uh, right now with that off, the way the offense is built. And, you know, like you mentioned, the receivers are bad. They're they're averaging two point eight yards after the catch, which is the lowest in the NFL. I mean, that's just abysmal. Yeah, they're, they're going to catch probably one of the NFC North teams, right? Like whoever doesn't win the division, like Minnesota, Green Bay, right. Chicago, like one of those teams is going to go into Washington and win if if things don't change. And I, I still think Philly's going to win that division, but if it doesn't play out that way, they're they're losing that first playoff game. It's just lock it in right now. I I already want Minnesota minus two and a half at Washington Week One. I'll take that. <laughs> That's, I'm in. We're we're ready. We're ready for the playoffs here. Any uh, any obvious uh, chalk plays you think stick out this week? Any injuries? Uh, I mean, James Conner is sounds like he's going to play. He was the one guy that if Jalen Samuels was to get a lot of carries, he might be kind of chalky at the prize. Is there anybody else that uh, you see sliding into a spot, maybe through an injury or a job change? You think is going to be overly uh, chalky this week? Because I didn't really see a ton of that. I saw mostly you know stars and good spots that are going to be chalky, but I didn't see a lot of the cheap cheap chalk guys. I didn't see that either. The one situation I've been monitoring as the week has rolled along is Marvin Jones. He didn't practice again on Thursday. I mean, Kenny Galladay yep. is a player that people tend to like anyway, but if they were going to force a few more targets in Galladay's direction, that would just prop up that floor even higher. How much do you think that helps him? Do you, or do you think that the other defense then suddenly keys on Galladay and maybe it, uh, maybe it lurks a, a little bit to his detriment? I don't think it's going to hurt him too much. I mean, I think Carolina's got good enough corners to, to give him a little bit of a difficult matchup regardless of whether or not Jones is out there. So I think just the volume... The volume helps him more than the extra attention hurts him. But what I'm really curious about is if Jones doesn't play, what secondary options emerge 
in the Detroit offense. You know, this is a team that had too many receivers a few weeks ago, and now we're kind of like, hey, what's going on? Is it going to be Theo Riddick on the field a lot with Carrion Johnson? Maybe running some routes? Like, what's what's the adjustment there? Is it a TJ Jones? Like, I have no feel for what they're going to do if Jones doesn't play as far as where the other targets go that don't go to Galladay. Yeah, I, I think it's probably Theo Riddick, you know, lining up in the slot a little bit more than he than he has been. He has been doing that already anyway, so... I think it's probably Riddick. I guess you get TJ Jones, maybe some Bruce Ellington, but it, it gets pretty ugly. I mean, you, you've went from, you know, Tate Jones, Galladay, and suddenly you might be looking at Galladay and who knows what after that. It's it's crazy how fast stuff changes. Yeah, so theoretically at 4K on DraftKings could emerge to be a useful flex option. Probably would be more comfortable in tournaments than cash games, though. But, man, that's a weird fall for this Lions offense. And, and the offense as a whole hasn't really been what we expected or what we've come to expect with the heavy volumes we've seen from Matthew Stafford in the past. Yeah. So that's actually my first game to discuss. So we'll jump right into that one. It's Carolina at Detroit, Detroit, our Carolina's fared by four over under a 51. You mentioned the Detroit offense, five touchdowns over the last three weeks, averaging 2.9 yards per carry over those three games. Really, really struggling. Uh, we mentioned Galladay. I think that uh, he'll be pretty popular, especially if Jones doesn't play with the kind of the targets. He had 13 targets last week. So obviously getting him heavily involved. Is there anybody besides Galladay and the Lions you're looking at playing? Do you like carry on Johnson all this week? Anybody else? No, I mean, I'm, I'm really pretty much just locked in on Galladay as my only lion that I like carry uh, on Johnson. As far as the, as far as the role goes, it seems like it's stabilizing a bit, but the price is ticked up along with it. I think if I were going to use him, it would be over on FanDuel, where he's only 6,200, but it's probably more of a tournament play. It, the Carolina defense is is okay, not great against the run, 4.4 yards per carry, six rushing scores allowed. Uh, so it, it really just comes down to whether or not you think Detroit can hang around and, and keep giving him that volume, and if you think if they go into pass-happy mode, if he'll have plenty of targets, but uh, it's... It's really just like Galladay for me as the first read and maybe, maybe carry on Johnson if I'm making a lot of lineups. Yeah, I, I feel the same way. I think it's Galladay and kind of nobody else there for me. Johnson's a little bit interesting just based on the fact that if Riddick does play slot, then all of a sudden those third down plays where he usually comes out, suddenly he's staying in. He has 19 targets last three because raised his floor a little bit, but um, hasn't taught top 51 rushing yards in the last three weeks after that big game he had uh, four weeks ago. So uh, not much for me there. But on the Carolina side, I tell you what, I mean, Cam Newton – Multiple passing touchdowns every game since week one. Week one he didn't, and week two. So I guess since week two, eight straight games with multiple passing touchdowns. Detroit has allowed multiple passing touchdowns to the other quarterback in five of the last six games. Trubisky just killed them last week. 355 yards, three touchdowns, and only 30 attempts. Just a massive game, a massively efficient game, too, when you look at YPA. Uh, what, uh, what do you do with the Carolina offense? You, you like Newton this week? You like McCaffrey? You know, multiple touchdowns in three straight games. Where do you kind of jump here? As far as the dollars per point, Based on his projection, Cam Newton is the best value at quarterback this week uh, <clears throat> on both DraftKings and FanDuel, which is, is pretty pretty interesting. And a FanDuel, he's at 8,600, so maybe I'm a little less likely to just lock him in there. But on DraftKings, I, I think it's kind of Newton versus Carson Wentz this week is the, is the question I'm going to be asking as I build out my lineups. I always struggle with Newton, though. When I use Newton, I don't often put him in the same lineup as Christian McCaffrey. So... It's just kind of weird because it's like, okay, if you're going to use Newton, do you put him with Greg Olson right now? Like my, my trust level with Olson has been going up. He's been able to stay healthy. Uh, he looks sort of similar to the player he was before the foot injury first came up last year. But that's always the problem I run into with Cam is, am I not going to use McCaffrey in the same lineup? And if I'm not going to do that, which of those pass catchers do I like? And I think the answer right now is Olson because of the state of tight end as a whole. 
Yeah, I think Olsen's uh, probably the guy, but he's 6,500 on FanDuel. I mean, if you're playing there, that's a, it's a really tough price. You can go up 1,000 to Zach Ertz, who you know, gets 400 targets a week, or you could go down to some interesting guys. But I think the thing about Cam is that he's the one guy at quarterback that I'm okay not stacking with and just playing by himself. And you kind of hope for two passing touchdowns and maybe he runs one in and gets 40 yards rushing. So I think with the rushing stats, you can afford not to stack him. And I just don't think there's a guy. I don't really love Devin Funches and DJ Moore has been really quiet the last couple of weeks. So I think if you play Cam, I don't have a huge issue playing him by himself or maybe with Olsen. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, going away from a stack could actually be a nice way to get something that looks a little different too, as far as your tournament combos. I think Cam's going to be popular at that price. I do too. Olsen yeah. only 5k flat on DraftKings makes that stack a little more palatable over there. For sure. Um, moving on to the next game is a game that one of the two that I really like kind of off the uh, under the under 50 radar uh, is Dallas and Atlanta. Atlanta's fair by three and a half. Love a close spread with a decent over under 48. Um, start with the Dallas side. The, I think the Atlanta side is a little more interesting, but the Dallas side has been interesting lately. Dak Prescott suddenly playing pretty well over 240 passing yards the last three weeks. And he has two rushing TDs over that period to kind of raise his floor up a little bit. Um, the Falcons have last allowed three, three or more TDs in six of nine games. So they've been really, uh, we talked about how much they've been injured, how much they've been beat up. Uh, are you interested at all in Dak this week? Uh, there's a, I think there's enough quarterbacks. Where I'm probably not, but it's interesting that, uh, that he's on the radar once again, after being way off at about a month ago. Yeah. This is one of the games I looked at and I thought, I'm pretty confident it's going to at least reach the total, if not go over it by a little bit. It, it, part of it's that Dallas doesn't really force a lot of turnovers. Atlanta at home moves the ball so consistently. Dak's playing well. You know, adding Amari Cooper, no matter what you think of Amari Cooper, that was a much-needed lift for the <laughs> Dallas passing game. And he's a few weeks in now, so maybe we'll start to see uh, a full complement of targets on a kind of sort of regular basis. So I'm looking at this and thinking, hey, yeah, maybe Dak in, in tournaments at least is an option. Now, unlike Cam, I'm not going to just run Dak out there without a pass catcher. But the weird right. thing is Ezekiel Elliott seems like such a slam dunk pay up and just deal with it sort of play that I think Dak kind of gets lost in the shuffle, which is good again for tournaments, but makes me less likely to build with him because my interest in Zeke is really high. Yeah, I kind of fell in the, the same place there. I mean, Zeke was awesome last week against a good Eagles defense, 187 total yards and a couple touchdowns. He was 19 for 151 rushing. And Nick Chubb just thrashed the Falcons last week. 20 carries, 176 yards. He had that 92-yard touchdown. They did hold Saquon Barkley pretty well in week seven. So, that, you know, a little bit of a, a glint of some good stuff there. But overall, got to like Zeke's spot this week. With Amari, you know, he's 6,600 on FanDuel, so kind of fairly priced there. But 5,400 on DraftKings, 18 targets the last two weeks. I just don't know if I can jump back in the Mari Cooper pool. I've been I've been burned so many times. I'm not sure I can put money back in that pool. I understand, and uh, I have <laughs> I've made some very terrible calls with Amari Cooper over the last year plus. So I will tread carefully as well. But this this situation is a really favorable one uh, with him going up against an Atlanta defense that's allowed 21 passing TDs already this season. The price is very fair: 5,400 on DraftKings, 6,600 on FanDuel. But yeah, I mean it's it's tournaments only for Amari Cooper. So we talked about uh, we talked about Zeke, you know, looking forward without, uh, you know, fully giving stuff away. Is, is he your favorite uh, big game running back? It's really close. I mean, I, I think when you when you look at Zeke and you look at Kamara, you think about the, the makeup of the Saints Eagles game being even safer from a reach the over under total standpoint. My lean might be to just go after Kamara, but it's it's flip a coin. I mean, the. The price being 300 less on DraftKings might make me favor Kamara there, but 
Elliot's 500 cheaper on FanDuel, so I think it might just be site-specific as far as which one of those two I'd play if I could only play one. For missing uh, for mix, missing six teams on by and missing the the Rams Chiefs game, I, I was surprised how many uh, high dollar receivers and running backs I really really liked this week. Yeah, I think a lot of people like this slate for for a lot of reasons. Yeah. And I mean, if if you had to take an awesome game off the slate, at least you have a lot of good close games where you you, you get lots of building block options. You know, it's not lopsided. If you had last week's slate and you had Chiefs Rams as the Monday night game, it would have been demoralizing. Yeah. <laughs> um, on the Atlanta side, Matt Ryan, 8,400 on FanDuel, 330 plus passing yards in his last four games. He's done that six times already this year. 9.9 yards per attempt at home with 14 touchdowns in five games in the uh, Mercedes Benz Dome. Dallas gave up 360 yards to Carson Wentz last week. Uh, all of it looks pretty good for Matt Ryan this week at 8,400. Yeah, absolutely. Um, is it a simple just pair him with Julio for you where you're using him, or do you go down to Kelvin Ridley instead? I, uh, I go Julio. I mean, last five weeks on Calvin Ridley, only one touchdown, only f- over 50 yards once. I think he's so touchdown reliant right now that, uh, you know, in a tournament, maybe he hits a big play. And you can go there. But, you know, Austin Hooper had 11 targets and 10 catches last week. They're moving it around pretty well, aside from Julio, who always gets his. I mean, Julio's bonkers right now. 100 yards in four straight games, 100 yards in five out of six games, over 1,000 yards already. We're nine games of the season. I mean, it's just uh, – and he scored the last couple of weeks. It's hard to go wrong with Julio. My problem on Julio is I love DeAndre Hopkins and Odell Beckham this week. So I think I'll probably have less Julio than normal just based on I, I love the guys around his price. Yeah, I mean, it really is really interesting. So I just wonder how that plays into Julio's ownership rate as a whole. And I think a lot of people are going to jam in two of those $8,000 running backs. I think that's going to be sort of the, the base lineup build that a lot of people want to use. Yeah, and then you've got Michael Thomas in the in the highest scoring game on the slate at the same, you know, a hundred bucks more than Julio on FanDuel. It's just it's gonna be it's gonna be hard to pick between the stud receivers this week. But uh, you know, who picks right there might be end up, who end up who ends up winning. Yeah, and the thing that's really frustrating me, by the way, is that it, Lamar Jackson is sick, and like that was gonna be my way of getting all these expensive guys in. We'll talk <laughs> about that game in a little bit, but the load up on pricey guys because I can throw a sub five k quarterback out there on DraftKings is looking very flimsy right now. You're not on board with the uh, the Robert Griffin the third uh, resurgence. No, you, you, people people think that Amari Cooper's burned them a lot. How about how about <laughs> the times RG three burned everybody a few years back? I mean that that was that was happening. Uh, that certainly was happening. He was uh, he was a high draft pick in in, in fantasy draft season long stuff that that one year after the big rookie year, and he uh, was uh, it's not been good since. There's there's no doubt there. It's it's pretty wild that that's who uh, that's who the Ravens potentially could be down to if if Flacco doesn't play and Lamar Jackson uh, you know can't get uh, can't get well pretty quick. Yeah, I'm uh, anxiously awaiting Friday's injury report to see what they're able to do with Jackson, and I just hope that Harbaugh gives us something as far as his actual plans at quarterback go i don't want this to be some kind of game time decision thing rolling into sunday morning where we just have no idea so let's uh, let's jump into that game since we're talking about it cincinnati up baltimore uh there is no set spread or over under yet because of the the flacco lamar jackson robert griffin stuff also joe mixon was added added to the injury report today with a knee injury aj green is not playing i did see some opening lines with baltimore minus four i think that's probably a little bit low but uh with the way since defense playing. But if you know, if you have a rookie quarterback in Lamar Jackson, then I get that spread. There's no overrunner yet. My guess is probably a, probably about mid forties based on the fact that uh, you could have a rookie quarterback, but also a struggling defense uh, with the, with the Ravens. We'll start on that side, start with the home team. The Bengals have allowed 4,000 yards already through nine games, 480 yards plus in each of the last four games. What do you do with Baltimore? You know, you want a piece of a team going at this defense, but if it's Lamar Jackson, 
Uh, do you go with him? Do you uh, do you kind of avoid this? Uh, do you think Lamar Jackson's good? I guess is my question for you right now. I think Lamar Jackson will be good eventually. I think clearly okay. he's a better fantasy player than a real life player right now. His running ability is elite among quarterbacks. Like he, he'd be mm-hmm. a potentially useful running back if they ever change positions for him. But I'm not in the camp that thinks that he's not a quarterback. I'm, I'm not that guy. I just think he's going to need some time. I think they would water down the offense so much, though, that it would really hurt the pass catchers. So you would have a hard time pairing him with somebody. And all of this is just maybe more interested in Alex Collins because the Bengals run defense is bad. Collins is still very cheap, much like Mark Ingram is cheap. 4,400 on DraftKings, 6,000 on FanDuel does catch some passes, even though they have other guys that come in for that sort of specialist role. I know it's risky in terms of volume, but that is a really low price and a great matchup for a player who I have kind of believed in throughout the season, even though, the results have been very inconsistent and generally, you know, a little below expectations. The last time the Bengals played in a game and an opposing running back did not score a touchdown was week one. <laughs> I think that streak continues this week. <laughs> I mean, they're allowing 175 plus yards, you know, total yards to opposing backfields. Uh, eight weeks in a row with a running back scoring a touchdown. Ten running, ten touchdowns of running backs in the last five games. I'm finding it hard to get away from Alex Collins here. Like you said, 6,000 on FanDuel. It feels a little bit too obvious, and I wonder you know, how much the offense struggles if Lamar Jackson does play. But with that defense struggling so badly, Alex Collins, you know, a pretty solid running back at 6,000. I'm finding it hard not to use him as my one, my one of my two running backs in a lot of my lineups. Yeah, I think it could be like a season high in carries for Collins, especially if Jackson starts. But even if he doesn't, like this is a good matchup to just hand the ball off, get the ball to Joe Flacco's hands too. Yeah, my only concern is that just the, the number of carries he gets is concerning. You know, he has 9, 11, 11 last three games, and uh, they kind of they kind of mess around. They throw the ball a bunch, and they, they move it around. But if they can get any kind of lead in this game against this defense, you've got to think Harbaugh is you know, looking at the same stats we're looking at. They've got to hand the ball to Collins, right? Yeah, and we've had a few times where he's clipped up in the high teens, 18 carries back against Denver in Week 3, 19 carries against Tennessee in Week 6. So the ceiling is there even though the the normal expectation is closer to a dozen carries and you know maybe one or two catches. I think I would just take the over on the season average per game touch volume for Alex Collins this week. Yeah, so it's one of those spots where it's always tough because I don't necessarily love the player and how he's used. I mean, he hasn't topped 70 rushing yards all year, but the, uh, the matchup and the opposing defense is just such a mess right now that it becomes really intriguing at the price. Exactly. So I'm staying away from the pass catchers. You know, on the Cincinnati side, Baltimore's defense, their pass defense has been so good that it's another, it's a tough setup for Tyler Boyd coming off of a missed opportunity in a good setup last week. I expressed some concern that not having A.J. Green would pull more attention in his direction. I didn't think he'd have a game like he had last week because I thought even if the Bengals fell behind, they would garbage time their way to make value. So it was just kind of surprising to me that he busted as a cash game play last week in that particular matchup. But this is not a good bounce back setup for Tyler Boyd whatsoever. No, I was, I, you know, the, the 65 yards is kind of whatever, but only four targets is what really jumped out to me in a game that they were trailing and trailing mightily almost the whole way. Um, yeah, 7,000 this week on FanDuel. I think his price last week was way up. So that kind of kept me away, kind of saved me from using him in a lot of lineups, but Joe Mixon, he was uh, only 13 touches, 29 slaps last week. He looked good when he played, but they just kind of got too far behind. And the problem is if they get behind suddenly Gio Bernard's back and he's, he's the guy that's going to catch passes. Yeah. And with Mixon, he was added to the injury report on Thursday. He was limited with knee soreness or some kind of knee issue. And 
Uh, it's just kind of unclear as to whether he's going to be able to go at full capacity. Like maybe he's active Sunday, but maybe it ends up being more of a timeshare than we're accustomed to because of this injury flaring up on Mixon. Yeah, he's become a little more uh, game script reliant than I thought he would be when the season started. I remember a time only, what, four or five weeks ago when people loved Bill Lazor, and those days uh, <laughs> seemed to be over, or at least on hold for the time being. And Hugh Jackson's back, so you have to just keep rounding down on the Bengals' offense. Yeah, uh, agreed there. Uh, moving on to the next game is the other game that I think is really interesting to me that's under 50 that I think is going to go over is Tennessee at Indy. Uh, Marcus Mariota on the Tennessee side finally looks healthy. They're two and a half point underdogs to Indy. Love the close game, 48 and a half over under. Uh, Mariota finally, the last couple of weeks, does look healthy. Uh, the Colts allowed uh, you know a bunch of yards to Blake Bortles last week, three touchdowns to Derek Carr of all people the week before that. So while their defense hasn't better than expected, they still uh, they still been gotten a little bit in the passing game uh, the last couple of weeks. Uh, do you like anybody on the Tennessee side of the ball? Because I think this game is going over, and I think it's going to be a surprising kind of shootout type game. You know, I think Corey Davis is still underpriced. I wasn't jumping all over it last week, but even with the price increase, I think he's viable again. I just I don't see the Colts' pass defense being special giving up 7.8 yards per attempt, 15 passing TDs on the year. Opposing quarterbacks have a 98.4 passer rating against them, so nothing to fear at all as far as that that matchup goes for Davis. I think the problem I keep running into with the Titans is like Derrick Henry's vulturing TDs now from Deion Lewis, and I tend to just trust Lewis's role a lot more because he's going to catch passes regardless of what happens, and if the Titans are playing catch-up, Derrick Henry's going to disappear. So I might be inclined to kind of mix and match my exposure a little bit uh, to not have both Lewis and Davis together in the same lineup, which was the plan You know, last week. I went a little heavier with Lewis and it backfired. Uh, I want a little bit of exposure to both of those guys because I think this is a good spot for both. Yeah, Corey Davis obviously looked really good last week. My only concern on Davis is I think he's going to be you know among the top two or three highest percent owned wide receivers this week. Yeah, oh. again, the price hasn't really caught up to the usage. So exactly. I, I think that is absolutely... Uh, on point and I think it it comes back to what we said earlier where with several lineup builds featuring those $8,000 running backs you know the default adjustment is going to be to look at the five to six k range as you build out that group of receivers and and Davis is going to stand out in that price range yeah I think in in tournaments he's a he's a fade for me he's just not quite a guy that I'm willing to play at a high percentage and he could burn me he looked really good last week but I think he's the type of guy that when he's high percentage I'm not really willing to eat that chalk quite yet I still have trust issues with Marcus Mariota too like I've wanted him to be good for a long time and he's one of those guys that's pulled the rug out from underneath me a few times and now I'm I'm just a little hesitant to expect consistency from him I just I don't I don't know if that's if that's a good idea or not, but I think what it what I can what it does like having Corey Davis is getting exposure to Mariota without having to commit to Mariota himself. So maybe that just makes me comfortable. That uh, that does make some sense. The guy that I like you mentioned earlier is Dion Lewis. He's forty eight hundred on DraftKings, super cheap there. Fifty nine hundred on Fanduel, so a good price there too. But you know, twenty two touches last week, twenty three the week before that. Um, I love Dion Lewis as a player, and if he's going to get twenty touches, that's a guy that at that price I want. And I know that Derrick Henry has four touchdowns the last three weeks or whatever it is, and he's he's vulturing him. But you know, Dion can score from out uh, outside the ten, so I don't think he's a problem there. The Colts are having about almost eight catches a game to, to wide receiver to running back. Sorry, on the on the air out of the backfield. Uh, 
Um, I think Deion Lewis is going to be a little too popular for my liking, but he's, he's one of those guys that I'm probably going to play and eat a little bit of that percentage where I'm not willing to do it on Corey Davis. I think with Deion Lewis and the, the touches, I'm willing to do it. And then for like a cash game, because of his role being more stable, you'd like Lewis. You'd, you'd pay up a little extra for Lewis in cash as opposed to Collins who we talked about earlier, right? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think the touches and the the, the level of uh, dynamics that Lewis has uh, put likes me that makes me like him over uh, Collins. Yeah, I, I'm I'm with you on that. Any uh, any Johnu Smith love at only 2700 on DK? I could see it if you if you have that that pricey running back combo and you want to pay a little more for your first receiver. Johnu Smith is one of the paths to get there. Um, tournaments only. Uh, just he's in that bucket of tight ends that is extremely TD dependent right now because he's not a huge part of the game plan, but. It's a really athletic player that I think they can get more involved in behind Corey Davis and that receiving core. They're still kind of looking for answers. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When you're looking for a credit card, get one that wins awards. The U.S. Bank Visa Platinum Card is NerdWallet's 2021 Best of Awards winner for Best 0% Intro APR and Balance Transfer Credit Card. It provides a great way to pay for large purchases over time, as well as consolidating other card balances. And speaking of award winners, the U.S. Bank Altitude Go Visa Signature Card is NerdWallet's 2021 Best Credit Card for Dining Out or Ordering In. Earn four times points on takeout, food delivery, and dining. Get two times points at gas stations, grocery stores, and on streaming. If you're into cash back or travel rewards, U.S. Bank has credit cards that feature those benefits, too. Check out their full suite of credit cards at usbank.com slash credit card. The creditor and issuer of these cards is U.S. Bank National Association, pursuant to a license from VCUSA, Inc., and the cards are available to United States residents only. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. So on the on the Colt side, uh, th- this Andrew Luck stretch is crazy. I mean, he was someone that coming into the year we didn't really know what to do with. Uh, he missed all of last year, and you know there was talk of him only throwing mini footballs and college footballs in in, in training camp. But <laughs> three t- three touchdowns or more in the last six straight games, the longest streak in the NFL since 2007 when Tom Brady did, I think, in nine or ten straight. I guess the question is, how much can the Titans D kind of muck up this game? Can they slow it down? Can they make it so that, uh, you know, Indy has to play a little bit slower than they like to? But three plus touchdowns in six straight games. I mean, Luck is firing on all cylinders right now, still under 8,000 on Fanduel. He's still not getting the price bump from how good he's been. Yeah, only 7.2 yards per attempt allowed this season, though, for that Tennessee defense. So they've been pretty stingy. They're not bad against the run. This is one of those games where Tennessee needs it badly. And coming off that emotional high of, of winning last week, I think they've got some nice momentum going here. I don't, I don't really believe in the won a big game last week, so they're going to fall apart this week narrative. I think it's a positive thing to to beat a good team. I think it makes you play with more confidence, and that's a good thing. I do too. Uh, so I'm looking at this Tennessee defense and thinking eh, this is a little bit rough. The usual sort of luck T.Y. Hilton tournament appeal is there, especially on DraftKings. I mean, Luck's 5,900 on DraftKings, even with this amazing <sighs> stretch he's had. That's a really affordable price. T.Y. at 6,100. I mean, if he's on the outside and he's getting Malcolm Butler, yeah, that's uh, that's a matchup, a one-on-one matchup that Hilton can win. I uh, I love T.Y. Hilton this week. Probably my favorite play. Definitely my favorite uh, non-expensive play. 6,800 on, Fa- on FanDuel, 6,100 on DraftKings, you mentioned. Uh, you know, seven targets last week. He only caught three of them. He did have 77 yards. Uh, the Titans have allowed four wide receivers over 80 yards just in the last four weeks. Uh, I love T.Y. Hilton this week. I'm going to have him in a lot of lineups. I think he's going to hit. Uh, I think we're looking at about a, a buck 20 and a touchdown this week for T.Y. This is a game, though, like, I, I actually like this matchup from just a pure enjoyment standpoint a lot more than the uh, the Washington-Houston matchup. Like the, <laughs> oh, yeah, no doubt there. And they're 5-4 five and four and 4-5, four and five, but this is a huge game in the AFC South. 
So what do you do with the tight ends? Obviously, the tight ends are huge in the in the Colts uh, lineup. You know, Eric Ebron had three touchdowns before I finished my hot chocolate last Sunday uh, on 12 pass routes. He only had 12 pass routes and he had three touchdowns. That's seemingly impossible, but he seems to do it. Uh, seems to do it week in and week out with the touchdowns. I love that he got the three TDs before you were done with your hot chocolate. That's the most West Coast <laughs> analysis possible. The, the Eric Ebron thing is is nuts. Like I, 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 I think the Doyle volume made a lot of sense. You pointed that out last week. I bought into that yep. and see Ebron put that sorry, together. Sorry about, sorry about, sorry about that. Hey, you know what? It, it, <laughs> it happens. Like it, it just, it, it made sense. And with Ebron, I keep wondering if these two guys are just going to keep coexisting in a way where they're both generally productive. Occasionally one guy goes off a little more. Ebron had that last week, but I still don't like the other receivers behind T Y Hilton, the Chester Rogers, the Ryan Grant, the Dontrell Inman's, and that short and intermediate passing game is so important for Andrew Luck that I, I'm not going to look at, at Doyle and say that Ebron's not viable. I'm not going to look at Ebron and say that Doyle's not viable in any given matchup. And I, I just wonder I wonder if there's one guy out of the two. Like, like, Do you always go to the guy that was quiet the week before when the prices are almost even on those two tight ends? I think that's probably a, a pretty good way to do it. And I think that uh, if I were to go back to him, I'd probably go back to Doyle this week just based on the volume. I just, I'm not a believer that the Ebron, you know, three touchdowns on 12 pass routes can keep up, but it's, uh, it, it's hard to figure out. And by the way, who the hell is Mo Alley Cox? I don't know. That's the, that's the variable that really <laughs> just makes this even more terrible, right? It's like Mo Alley Cox shows up and actually scores sometimes. Like it's, it's insane. So I, I think the, I think the smart play is to not chase the Ebron TDs because they're they're both capable of ending up in those those red zone scenarios where they're getting those targets. And if people are chasing last week's production, ownership on Ebron is going to get pumped up a bit. Doyle is going to be deflated. I just think their usage is similar enough where you you might as well just try to get away from the higher owned guy, especially in tournaments. It's a, it's a Ty Hilton week anyway, so I'm good. I'm good fading the tight ends in this game. Right. I mean, Hilton's price is low enough where you don't have to really answer the Colts tight end question this week if you don't want to. So moving on to the game that uh, you've been slandering the last uh, few minutes, Houston at Washington, uh, Houston minus three over under 42 and a half. We kind of hit this game at the top as one of those ones that, you know, two good teams, with good records, but a low over under kind of a defensive struggle. On the Houston side, I really like DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, he just kind of every week guy. You know, he has, he, has, he has over 50 yards every game. He either, either has 75 yards or a touchdown in every single game. He just never busts, and that's going back to last year. You know, he had I think he had like one bad game last year total. Washington's allowed a 100-yard receiver each of the last three weeks. I think he's going to be lower percentage than Michael Thomas. I think he's going to be lower percentage than Odell Beckham. So I think that uh, DeAndre Hopkins this week, 8,600 on FanDuel, only 7,900 on DraftKings. Uh, this is the week to get Hopkins in if you can. Uh, I just think the percentage can be really nice on him. Yeah, and I think it was it came up a lot last week in the Mike Evans analysis, but Washington has struggled to cover receivers on the outside. Like this is that's been a general weakness of that defense. Uh, so I think this is where Houston gets its best matchup overall offensively. It's just Watson finding Hopkins and and picking on those outside corners. So I, I look at that and that seems like an easy path to go down. Demarius Thomas, you know, he played a lot of snaps in his first game with the Texans before the bye when he faced his old team uh, when they went to Denver. But I, I don't really see a compelling reason to go after him right now, even though the price is very fair. Like he could be more involved, but it's enough of an unknown where if I'm throwing a, a tournament dart in the 5K range on, on DraftKings and the mid fives on FanDuel, I can probably find a higher upside receiver. 
to take that chance on. Yeah, I agree there. And Kiki Kuti might play this week. He partially practiced today, so that that might uh, mess it up a little bit too. But what about Deshaun Watson? He's under 8,000 on FanDuel now. It's just a weird – I mean, I think it all kind of stems back to him getting hurt and them kind of pulling back on him in the offense. But he had 40-plus pass attempts weeks three for five. He has 25 or less the last four weeks. He has uh, he's, he hasn't been over 40 rushing yards in the last four weeks. This is a, a completely different player than we saw the first five weeks of the season. I think that's intentional. They've been handing the ball up to a lot to Lamar Miller. I just think trying to protect Watson, kind of protect him from himself too. You know, He's had trouble uh, avoiding those big hits. Washington has allowed over 300 yards passing the last three weeks. The price is coming down, but I just don't think I can get quite on Deshaun Watson with the other quarterbacks on the slate this week. I haven't been planning on it so far. Uh, the other thing I'm kind of curious about, is he still taking a bus or a hoverboard to road games, or is he actually flying on planes <laughs> again? I think he's I think he's back to non-hoverboard travel. Okay, or like Razor scooters like, like Hansel from Zoolander. <laughs> wow, Zoolander reference. I like it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's one of the most efficient ways to get around, unless you're going across the country, in which case it's one of the worst ways to get around. Uh, that, uh, yeah, Houston to Washington might be a little bit of a trip, though. Yeah, so I, I'm looking at Watson. I don't, I don't hate the matchup, but I don't like it enough to seek it out. Uh, if I were going to play him, it'd probably be on DraftKings under 6K over there. Tournament-only option. I, I think you're dead on, though, with Hopkins, where this game, because of the, the lower over-under total, is going to get largely ignored and Hopkins is pretty much matchup proof anyway. So anytime you get an elite receiver like that, like under 5% ownership, I'm definitely interested. Yeah, I don't know if he'll be quite that low, but with the options at the top, I think he's definitely going to be, you know, maybe 8 to 10%. But uh, I, when you can get that and a guy that's, uh, you know, like you said, matchup proof and kind of game proof, me always his production. I really like it. Anybody on the Washington side, we we kind of hit on it earlier, but, uh, you know, the pass catchers are, you know, not very good. They don't uh, do much after the catch. Jordan Reed gets a lot of targets, doesn't do much with him, hasn't scored since week one. Uh, I'm avoiding the Washington offense this week. I'm not touching it. Uh, is there anybody on here you want to talk about? No, easy pass. Houston's defense has played well after that slow start so Tampa Bay at the Giants we kind of hit on that a little bit as kind of the the two bad teams are playing an interesting fantasy game Giants are favored by a, a point and a half over under 52 and a half so really interesting game from fantasy fantasy perspective starting on the visiting side with Tampa Bay you know we talked about Ryan Fitzpatrick earlier 500 yards of offense only three points scored he has four 400 plus yard games already this season that's tied for the most ever in a season it's week now it's week 10 yeah, and their implied total is like a half point less than Atlanta's implied total, and you're paying 500 less to get Ryan Fitzpatrick on DraftKings, and you're paying 800 less to get him on FanDuel. Like This is a team that does not run the ball well, has a lot of weapons in the passing game. Even if Chris Godwin's unable to play, you still have Deshaun Jackson as the third. O.J. Howard's a monster at tight end. You got Evans. You, know, you, have, you just have a safety guy, Adam Humphreys, underneath. So many options in the passing game, such a bad running game and a good enough game script where this could be back and forth all day. People are disappointed in fits from last week. I'm going back to the well this week. Are you going back to the well on Mike Evans too? under 60 yards with no touchdowns in four of his last six, but the other two were over hundred yards. So he's been very boomer bust. Is this the week to buy low on Mike Evans? Of course. Yes. I'm definitely back in on Mike Evans. No hesitation whatsoever. So you go fit you are Fitz Evans stack. It's, it kind of sounds like that's uh, a, a favorite of yours. Oh, I, you know what? I, I, lo- I love to burn myself multiple times before I start changing my <laughs> behavior. So this is this is only like the second burn in a series of at least three before I would actually do something else. 
I, uh, do you, uh, you like OJ Howard all this week, 6,300 on Fandles, a little pricey for me, only two targets last week does have the touchdown upside and is a, you know, obviously big play upside, but I think at the price, especially on Fandles, probably, uh, probably I'll go elsewhere at tight end. I think if I were going to play, I, I like Howard a lot, but if I'm, if I'm leaning Fitz Evans, I'm probably not going to the, the second stack piece with Fitz this week. I want just right. more, uh, more diversity in the lineup. I'm kind of thinking about Evan Ingram coming back the other way, at least in tournaments. He's only 4,100 on DraftKings. Tampa Bay is brutal against tight ends. They've allowed 23 passing TDs this season. They have one interception. I, I don't know how Jesus. you can play half a season and only intercept one pass. That seems like doesn't like it's a, doesn't a, doesn't a, doesn't a tipped ball find your hands at some point during that stretch? Yeah, doesn't someone just r- like run the wrong route and the quarterback just gifts you more than one? Like I. How could you be this bad at forcing turnovers? I mean, again, 8.7 YPA, tons of points allowed. Even Eli, I think, can take advantage of this. And and Ingram's the cheap option at the thin position that I I would think about if you want some exposure to the Giants passing game and you don't want to pay a lot to get it. I think he's way too cheap at at DraftKings. He's he's 4,100, like you mentioned. That's Ingram. Uh, He's 5,800 on FanDuel, so a little tougher there, but... You know, eight different tight ends have over 50-plus yards on Tampa Bay this season, which seems impossible for for tight ends. Um, he has, uh, you know, nine targets in week eight, so that's that's really good. And then he had uh, five targets against the Niners last week. Uh, I like Ingram, too. My problem is I really like Odell Beckham. And Saquon Barkley, 80 to 100 on FanDuel, you're going to have a lot of Camara guys. You're going to have a ton of people playing Zeke Elliott. I'm sure he's on Barkley's percentage. Obviously, a fantastic matchup against the Bucs. He's been a little more quiet the last couple of weeks than he had been earlier in the year. Uh, do you think he slides in under the radar? Or do you think everybody sees the Tampa Bay matchup and, and tries to find a way to get him in, even though there's other guys in that range that we like to? I think it's going to be a, a tad under the radar, but it's all it's all relative with Barkley. I mean, I, I think we're still looking at like 15 to 18% ownership. So lower than, lower than, maybe not lower than Gordon. Similar to Melvin Gordon, probably lower than Kamara. Probably lower than Christian McCaffrey and definitely lower than Zeke. Yeah, I think uh, I think I fall in the same spot there. I mean, the Bucks have allowed 14 touchdowns to running backs. They've given up uh, over 100 yards total to running back in every game, but one. Uh, Barkley hasn't scored the last couple of weeks. It's just it feels right for a, a huge Saquon Barkley game, but it's hard because I really like Odell Beckham and you know just a prime matchup. He's balling right now. He had three touchdowns the last three weeks, 143 yards, 136 yards in a couple of those games. Double-digit targets the last seven weeks. They are just feeding him like there's no tomorrow. Uh, I think Beckham's probably my favorite receiver. It's him or DeAndre Hopkins, but it's tough to pick among the top receivers this week. They're all really, really set up well. Yes, they are. And the other interesting thing about this game, just kind of circling back to Mike Evans for a second, he's second behind Julio Jones in air yards this season. Like it, I, I just think people are are still underrating how good Mike Evans actually is. I don't know how this is still happening, even in the it, – it just. Why? Like, why? Why would we doubt Mike Evans as a player? I know he's coming off a bad week, but he is an elite receiver, and he just doesn't get treated like one every single week. Yeah, I think it's an interesting build because you can go down to him at seventy four hundred on Fanduel. You get to either either Beckham and him, or Julio and him, or uh, you know Hopkins and him. I think he's going to be my my wide receiver too on a, on a bunch of lineup builds. Love it, absolutely love it. Nice. Um, let's move on to the next one. We got uh, Pittsburgh at Jacksonville, which is a, an interesting game right now. Uh, Pittsburgh is up by our four, five and a half point favorites over under 46 and a half Jacksonville. Uh, I think you and I both thought that they would kind of come out firing last week against the Colts and the opposite happened. Like we said, like we mentioned, Ebron had three touchdowns by 1030. Uh, I thought that coming out of the bye, Jacksonville defense would, would, would look really good. It didn't happen. 
What do you do here in, the, in this regard with Pittsburgh on the road? We always are worried about road Roethlisberger and all that kind of stuff um, at Jacksonville over under 46 and a half. Uh, what do you do with the Steelers offense? You know, I think James Conner gets a little bit overlooked this week. Uh, he's priced down a little on DraftKings relative to the other high usage backs. He's 7,200. So a slight price break there. Jacksonville's given up 4.2 yards per carry on the ground. So they're not amazing, but they're not terrible either. I think Pittsburgh is good enough to move the ball against anybody. They got extra rest after playing that Thursday game, extra, extra rest since that was a blowout. And it was basically like a high school game where the backups were all playing in the second half. I I think Connor's the sneaky play. Um, I I think the other way to go is to maybe go Juju Smith-Schuster since I would assume the bulk of of Jalen Ramsey's coverage is directed at Antonio Brown. Yeah, I think that's probably true. I mean, it's interesting that Brown is the fifth highest receiver at DK this week. We've talked about so many big receivers, and we haven't even gotten to Brown, who's seventy eight hundred there. He did have, he did play them only once last year. Had ten catches for a buck fifty seven, so didn't have too much of Jalen Ramsey issue. But I agree. I think Juju coming out of the slot, he's been quiet a little bit lately. He did have a seventy five yard touchdown last week on I think it was the first play of the game, but then only five to five targets in the game. It was a blowout, so that that kind of affected it some. But four of the five passing TDs the Jags have allowed this year have come from the slot. At 6,800 on, on, on DK, I think he's a, he's a nice way to save a little bit from Antonio and still get a piece of this game. Exactly, and I, I just I don't think we have to fear Jacksonville's defense anywhere near the level we did a year ago. I thought last week was going to be their wake up call after the embarrassing showing in London, uh, after the you know the nightclub incident. I thought they would come back after their bye week, regroup, go in, win a big game in Indy, and start to kind of round back into form. So I was wrong about that. This is kind of their last breath as you think about their season. Like they're really trying to to keep it all together here. And uh, I think this game might actually be a little more entertaining from an offensive perspective than some might think. And I, I look at the I look at the Jacksonville side and I, I try to come up with a, an option in the passing game every week and I, I'm failing right now. I, I just I don't see I don't see a Jacksonville pass catcher I want. So if I were gonna have exposure to the Jags offense it'd probably be Leonard Fournette again because the price is still down relative to previous norms. I think ownership will tick up a bit because people are going to trust them since the fantasy output last week was pretty good. Uh, but I wouldn't go crazy this week with Fournette either. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty much off Fournette this week. 7,600 on FanDuel. Uh, the receiving was really nice. He had five catches, 56 yards and a touchdown, but he only played 39 snaps, but he had 29 touches on those snaps. Crazy how much they used him. I just don't think I want to go... Uh, against this Pittsburgh defense. They haven't allowed a rusher over 80 yards all year. They are favored by five and a half points. I just worry that Fournette, uh, you know, they may take it a little bit easy on if they, if Pittsburgh gets ahead by, you know, 10, 13 points, maybe they back off him a little bit and go with a little more TJ Yeldon out of the backfield. I just, uh, I think even on a 10 game slate, there's just other options I like besides taking this Jacksonville offense. I just, I think I'm going to avoid it uh, kind of like I did with Washington. Yeah. I mean, their implied total is in the low twenties. It's like just below 21. So you can definitely, find other pieces with similar touch volumes at a similar price that are just a much better game script, like kind of construct based on just the implied total alone. So moving on to the uh, one o'clock Pacific games, we have the big game of the day is uh, at least the, on the main slate is uh, Philly at new Orleans, new Orleans fared by eight over under of 56. The average game in the Superdome, I mentioned this earlier, has been 67.3 points as a total. That's uh, that's pretty wild. Obviously, the Saints score a lot. They give up a lot. It's a fast track. It's indoors, no weather concerns, kind of a prime matchup for points. 
Carson Wentz is uh, is interesting this week. He's only seventy seven hundred on Fanduel, but he's sixty three hundred on DraftKings. He's the second highest priced guy on DraftKings. They really priced him up with this matchup. He's kind of quietly really come on lately, though. Multiple TDs the last six weeks, over two hundred seventy five yards passing in all six of those games. Fantastic game script. Gotta love it. High over under where where your quarterback is as a touchdown underdog. Going to be throwing a lot. Um, the Saints have shown that they're pretty much going to score like half their drives. Uh, the Saints killed Andy Dalton last week, but Goff was 391 for three the week before that. Cousins was 360 and two touchdowns the week before that. Um, I think Carson Wentz is my favorite quarterback this week, especially on FanDuel. Yeah, I, I like Carson Wentz a lot. I mean, I, I think Wentz versus Cam, even on DraftKings, is kind of a, a fair question to ask. And uh, I think they are going to be in that position where they're throwing all day. New Orleans still weak in the secondary, can be exposed. The big question I have when I look at Carson Wentz this week is, do I want to go Jeffrey or do I want to go Ertz as I stack him up with one of those pass catchers? So Zach Ertz has the most catches by a tight end through nine weeks, not this season, but in the history of the NFL. Ever. Okay. Ever. It's compelling. If he has if he has zero catches this week, he still has the most catches by a tight end in the history of the NFL through 10 weeks. Well, okay. So he's 6,600 on DraftKings. He's 7,600 on FanDuel. Is it worth paying up that premium to get him when you think about the, the rest of the position? It's uh, it's tough. There's just because there's a lot of running backs and receivers that you want to try and figure out your way in. But um, I think if I go with Wentz, I probably uh, I probably am going to stack you know one with Ertz, maybe one with Jeffrey if I play a couple of lineups with Wentz. But Ertz is just I mean double digit targets in seven to nine weeks. You know he might get up to like. 18 to 20 percent in tournaments is the one issue. I mean, he stands out so far away from the tight ends with, you know, Gronkowski's on by and Kelsey's on the Monday night game. He stands out so far. If you're going to go up at tight ends, got to be him. And we talk about, uh, you know, if you want to play Alshon Jeffrey, but they're pretty much the same price. And I think I trust Zach Ertz more right now, even though I do like Alshon Jeffrey. I think Ertz is just kind of money in the bank with the targets. I think the the site kind of steers my decision a bit. I mean, Jeffrey's 6,300 on DraftKings, 7,300 on FanDuel. That is cheap. Uh, Ertz, 6,600, 7,600. Close there. But the, the gap between... Ertz and the other tight ends, I, I'm more I'm more comfortable getting the big discount at tight end on DraftKings, where I don't feel like you're getting enough of a discount to take a lot less talent on FanDuel. So it's probably a little more site-specific as far as who I pair with Carson Wentz this week. Yeah, I agree there. We talked about Jonu Smith as 2,700 on DK. Ricky Seals-Jones, we'll talk about in a little bit, as 2,900 on DK. So you do, you get guys that are really, really low, where those guys are, you know, four, 50, Ricky Seals-Jones is 5,200 on FanDuel. So you get the, like you said, the difference between the cheap tight ends is just so massive that I think site-specific site is a good call there. Uh, Alshon Jeffrey, kind of quiet the last couple of weeks, but another guy, great game script, 13 targets the last two weeks. Uh, I think he's probably going to be pretty popular this week. Yeah, I think the target volume is Jacksonville. Uh, per, let's see, that was in London. That was a weird game, and he probably saw a lot of Ramsey. I got to look back and see how much he saw, but I think that may have something to do with why that volume came down. He's been targeted eight or more times in all of the other games he's played this year. I think he gets eight-plus targets pretty easily against one of the league's worst pass defenses. So you want to go ahead and, and build around Jeffrey. Yeah, I, I fully agree there. And I think the Golden Tate's going to be more involved this week. Didn't play a ton last week. So that probably hurts Nelson Aguilar and Jordan Matthews. But I think it just helps Carson Wentz. You stick uh, you stick Golden Tate with another week of learning that offense in the mix. Just another weapon. I love Wentz this week. But on the other side of the ball, you're going to want a piece of this game. You know, obviously, Saints are really expensive. Drew Brees is 8,500 on FanDuel. Kamara is 8,900. Uh, Michael Thomas is 8,800. Do you, uh, how do you pick and choose this week between the Saints to try and get some of this offense on your team? I'm really intrigued by that Ingram price, especially on, on DraftKings, because I'm, I'm buying into the Saints you know, not falling far behind. And even if they do, Ingram does catch some passes. They can line up Camara like a receiver. 
Um, I'm looking at, at Traquan Smith, and I'm wondering why he's on the field a ton, but he's never really getting targets. It's kind of a weird path of cheap exposure, but it's, it's sort of a tournament-only thing. It's just a question of how many how many shares of Kamara and how many shares of Michael Thomas do you want? Like This is a team that concentrates a lot of that production on a very small group of players. Yeah, that that is true. I mean, Traquan's only four thousand on DK. If you're if you're playing a tournament, you want a pizza this game. You're looking for some cheap stuff late. Fifty one snaps played. Does that intrigue you at all, or do the zero targets just kind of too much of a stay away? I mean, I think in a big field GPP at that price, throwing one dart out there on Smith is is fine because I think there there is a chance that that it hits. He's one of those big play players where they, they might just hit him over the top for a fifty yard touchdown, and he makes value on one play. Drew Brees, 348 yards a game at home, 9.6 YPA at home, uh, 8,500 on Fandle. We talked about Wentz. We talked about Cam. We talked about Matt Ryan. Uh, does Brees, uh, where does Brees kind of slot in with those guys for you? I, I like him. I like him a lot. I mean, I think the the Wentz discount makes it so much easier to just go to Wentz on Fanduel. But on yep. DraftKings, when they're they're clustered within a couple hundred dollars of each other, I mean, Brees is only 6,500. Newton's 6,200. Wentz is 6,300. It's not that difficult to find the extra 200 on Drew Brees. And like, it's so easy to just lump him in there with, with Michael Thomas if you're going to do it, too. So what do you think the ownership rate comes in on, on Brees this week? I think there's so many viable quarterbacks. That I don't think it's going to be more than you know 10 to 12% somewhere in there. Because there's a, there's a big gap in terms of their implied total and the next highest implied total on the board since the Rams and Chiefs are playing each other on Monday night. Yeah, I mean, and they just they just they just score like they you you look up and they score. I mean, they scored they scored like every drive pretty much against the Bengals last week. But I think Breeze, Wentz, Newton, and Ryan, you know, in that order, probably you're looking at 12, 10, 10, 8 percent something in there. So that takes up you know forty percent right there. And I think that it's hard to get Breeze much higher than that when you have you do have many viable options. Maybe he gets to 40 percent, but I just don't think it's going to get above that. That's really good news. I mean, I think that makes him extremely viable for cash and tournament then because you're just not really worried about him being so popular that that too many people in the pool have him. Yeah, quarterback is the one spot on both FanDuel and DraftKings that I don't really worry about percentage too much because they're usually so spread out. Every once in a while you get a slate where there's an obvious play and you do get some of that as a cheap guy. But, you know, I think that uh, I think this is a week where percentage is going to be interesting because you've got we've already talked about, you know, four or five running backs over 8,000. We love four or five receivers over 8,000. We love all in good matchups, all good setups. We've talked about four or five quarterbacks we like. It's going to be an interesting week. I just don't think you're going to have huge chalk guys among among the high percentage guys. I think that I think the Zach Ertz will get there. And I think that uh, you get a couple guys in the 20s at running back and receiver, but I think it's going to be pretty spread out amongst those expensive guys. Last question for you on this game. Nelson Aguilar, kind of a forgotten man right now, right? They bring in Golden Tate. Tate didn't play a ton of snaps in his debut. Opportunities are here. If you want cheap exposure to Philly's offense, you want to stay off of Ertz uh, and Jeffrey, maybe you're not playing Wentz at quarterback. What's your interest level in Nelson Aguilar? He's 5,300 on FanDuel, which is very cheap for a guy in a pretty good spot. And I mean, I think he's a good player and there's even less defensive attention focused on him when there's Jeffrey and Tate on the field with him. I do too. And he's 4,100 on DK. And we talked about Traquan Smith. I think if I had to pick one of the two, I'd take Aguilar, even with the golden Tate, uh, you know, coming in and playing more. I think Aguilar will play enough at a game that, you know, they're going to use three receivers a lot of times and granted they have Ertz there also, but I think you get three receivers and Ertz on a bunch of plays and they're going to throw the ball the whole second half. You got to think New Orleans is going to score, you know, most of the game, New Orleans or Philly's going to have to keep up. 
if you're looking for a cheap play in a game that uh, you know could approach 60, 65 points, 4,100 for Aguilar, seven targets last week, six, six the week before that, seven the week before that, it's hard hard not to like him. Plus, you think about Philly. I mean, they haven't run it all that well. The Saints' strength defensively is against the run, so a, a more pass-happy game plan, regardless of score, might just be what Doug Peterson dials up anyway. I would I would think so, too. What about Golden Tate? You in, any interest in playing him, or you, would you go to Aguilar and Jeffrey first? I'd rather go up to Jeffrey or down for Aguilar cost-wise. I still think there's a lot of uncertainty. If they have to go up-tempo again, we just don't know how much Golden Tate has picked up, if he can be on the field in all situations, or if he's still going to be somewhat limited in how much they can use him. I, I fully agree there. I'd go up to Aguilar or Ertz or down to, uh, or I'm sorry, up to uh, Jeffrey Ertz and then down to Aguilar also. Uh, next game, we've got uh, Denver headed to the L.A. Chargers. Um, Chargers fared by seven, over under 46 and a half. Uh, the Denver side's kind of tough for me here. Philip Lindsay is, uh, has been really efficient and good, but uh, Royce Freeman's coming back this week. I'm a little worried about game script if the Chargers do get ahead and maybe that Denver has got to throw the ball the whole second half. Uh, is there anybody in the Denver offense that you're, you're really intrigued by this week? Generally, no. Like This is a team that I, I think it's partially because of Case Keenum. I just don't. I don't really trust their offense to be consistent. And I think they, they chop up those touches in the backfield. I, I like both Lindsay and Freeman as players, but they're, they're both good enough to just keep eating into each other's value. So I'm not really going after either one of those guys this week. Uh, if I had to play a Bronco, I think it'd be Emmanuel Sanders. And that's, that's generally been the stock answer for me all season for Denver. Yeah, and he, uh, he'll play in the slot, so he should avoid Casey Hayward. That was kind of my concern with Cortland Sutton. You know, Obviously, he was the he was the hype guy in their last matchup with Demarius Thomas being traded, but didn't do a lot. He'll be lower percentage this week, but 4,600 on DK is kind of interesting, but I just think that he's going to see a lot of Casey Hayward. That scares me a little bit on Sutton. You know, he might make a big play, but I think he kind of has to make a big play to work out. Yeah, I'm staying away from Sutton this week. Um, kind of a wait-and-see guy for me. And, and it's got more to do with Keenum than Sutton's raw talent. What about the uh, what about the Chargers side? You know, Rivers is interesting. And multiple touchdowns in every game this season, but he hasn't been over 340 yards since week one. So that's a high number, but he hasn't really had any you know huge crazy games uh, yardage wise since week one. Um, hasn't been over 30 passes thrown since week four. And a lot of that's been game script. But a lot of that is you know they hand the ball to Gordon, they hand the ball to Austin Eckler if they have a lead. Um, what do you do with this offense right now? They're, they're really good, but they seem like they spread it out so much. Aside from Melvin Gordon, it's kind of hard to figure out a guy. And Keenum Allen's going to get a lot of Chris Harris this week. He had 35 and 41 yards in the two matchups against Denver last week. And at the prices, I just think I like other receivers more than Allen this week, which is weird because last last two weeks I loved Allen at the price. But uh, I think he's a stay away from me this week. Yeah, he is. I, I just think I'm, if I'm doing anything with the Chargers, I'm just paying up for Melvin Gordon. Like we, we just know he's going to be heavily involved, playing at extremely high level right now. Denver's run defense is nothing special, kind of close to league average in terms of what they're giving up as far as fantasy points per game are concerned this season. Uh, I think Allen having that matchup against Chris Harris makes me want to stay away from him. So uh, definitely just Gordon or bust for me with the Chargers offense because the Tyrell Williams-Mike Williams split, which is favoring Tyrell target-wise the last few weeks, has just been too frustrating. Outside of a GPP dart, I don't see myself really having any interest in either of the two Williamses this week either. And when you talk about, you know, tournaments and game theory and strategy, you look at the top seven running backs this week. We have Kamara, Barkley, Gordon, McCaffrey, Zeke, James Conner, and David Johnson. I have to think that Gordon is at best sixth highest percentage among those seven. I think Gordon and Conner might be the two low owned players of that bunch. So if you want to be 
a little bit different, but you still want to spend a good chunk of your cap on, on high-end talent, guys that get a lot of, of volume and are, are really efficient with that volume, that's your duo this week for a tournament. Yeah, I mean, if you can get Melvin Gordon at, I don't know, say 8 to 10% in a game that is not a scary matchup, Denver has been better running the ball lately, but uh, you know, got thrashed a little bit earlier in the year. Um, I like the other guys around him, so I don't know how much Melvin Gordon might have, but you know, that's kind of the reason right there why maybe he's a really good play. Yeah, I'm feeling really good about the Chargers this week, um, which is probably bad since I'm using them in Survivor. I'm lucky enough to still have them left, trying to uh, to get that final critical point against uh, PL in the aforementioned pentathlon. So I think the game script sets up really favorably. Uh, not such a blowout where you're going to see a lot of Austin Eckler, but you know, a close enough game where Melvin Gordon should get his 20 plus touches pretty easily. It's funny. I looked at a, I looked at one site's kind of percentage projections on, on Gordon and they actually had him at like 24% as the third highest. I think that's going to be, I don't, I don't think he's going to be anywhere near that high. I think Barkley and McCaffrey and Kamara are all going to be higher than, than that, than Gordon. Oh, and, and I mean, Zeke and, and David Johnson, as you said before, I, I think for sure, David yeah. Johnson's back in the circle of trust. Zeke's going to be the first one everyone throws in. And I think, yeah, Barkley, I think would be in that group too. Yeah, I think that Barkley and Kamara are going to be higher than Gordon. I think Gordon comes in fifth or sixth, him and McCaffrey one way or the other, and then probably a James Conner seventh just because a little bit of an injury concern. But, um, yeah, I think uh, I would take the strong under on, on Gordon being the third highest running back this week. Yeah, Conner, for what it's worth, fully practiced Thursdays, working through the concussion protocol, but well on his way to playing. So I, I think as long as he gets that all clear, he's still going to fly under the radar. I'd love the Steelers going through Le'Veon Bell's locker and taking stuff home with him. <laughs> I thought that was so petty. It was like, just, just <laughs> box up his crack. Isn't the, the equipment manager's job to just take all the crap, throw it in a box, ship it to his house, and to just get on with it? I, I assume that that would be the case, right? Like, you think either he would come in and get his stuff or they would send it to him. The, the players going through it as a kind of a free-for-all did not seem like an, a viable option to me at the time. No, no. I, it's just like if, if you've ever <laughs> broke up with somebody and it was a bad breakup and you left stuff at their house and you just you, you knew you weren't getting it back, I guess that's what the Steelers are. Like, there's. What are those people? I uh, I guess, but I, I have to think like those cleats and stuff. I guess he probably gets as much as he wants, but there's a lot a lot of money in the in that stuff. But all those other guys get that stuff for free too, right? Like is, is, that is, is true. Do I, maybe I totally misunderstand like how equipment works in the NFL. That's why it was so weird. It was like <laughs> they're taking Le'Veon Bell's cleats, like, but don't they get free cleats? And don't they also make enough money where two hundred bucks for cleats isn't a big deal anyway? I imagine they probably don't get as many Jordan brand cleats as, as someone like Le'Veon Bell does. But yes, the uh, I, I think the salary would account for the fact they could go to uh, they go to Dick Sporting Goods and buy a few pairs. Yeah, I guess they have the, the custom nature of those. But it's like you hate this guy. Why do you want his stuff? <laughs> Last game of the day, uh, kind of an ugly one. So we'll finish with an ugly one. Uh, Oakland at Arizona. Arizona fared by five and a half. If I told you week one that Arizona would be a, a touchdown favorite against anybody this year, would you have called me crazy? Yes, I would have. Um Although I thought Oakland was going to be pretty bad. Not as bad as they've been, but I thought they'd be pretty bad. So I guess this could have been a matchup where you said, oh, but they're going to play Oakland. Well, okay, they'll be favored there. I I didn't think Arizona was going to be horrible this year, but they were a mystery box team because we didn't know what Steve Wilkes was going to do as a head coach. You know, we had no sense of, of just what type of team this was going to be. We didn't know when they would make the move to Josh Rosen. There were all sorts of moving parts at the time. And you know, the left which thing seems like it's working really well. Oakland, bad against the run, bad against the pass. Uh, I, I understand the the urge to be maybe underweight on David Johnson because of the other running backs priced around him. We talked about Connor. 
Uh, and we talked about Melvin Gordon as two of those elite sort of guys that people might be looking away from. But I would not ignore David Johnson entirely. If you've been hesitant to buy in, this matchup should be enough to get you back in to a David Johnson lineup this week. Yeah, I have I have no issue with Johnson. I think I might just like other guys more, but his setup is so well, it's so nice, and they've been using him really well the last couple of weeks. Um, what about the Oakland side of the ball? Jumping over there, is there anyone in this offense that you're remotely interested in playing against the Cardinals? No, I, I mean I think the the most interesting play might be Jared Cook. I, I still don't know if I'd really trust him that much. It's it's kind of feast or famine as far as his production is concerned. Got nine targets last week, pulled in four of them for 52 yards. Uh, kind of needs a, a TD to make value. Uh, the, the receiving core is banged up. Martavis Bryant's out a few weeks. Jordy Nelson might not play in this one. You know, Brandon LaFell could be their default number one or Seth Roberts. It, it's, a, it's a train wreck. I mean, it's, it's got so bad. I talked about this with John earlier today. It's so bad that you, I don't think Derek Carr is a good quarterback, but I don't think you can even fairly evaluate him right now because the situation is just that terrible as far as a supporting cast goes. Did you see? Did you see his last play on fourth down last week? I, I did not. So they were uh, they were fourth and five, whatever. They were down fourteen or whatever it was, and uh, he uh, he essentially threw the ball down on the ground like in a broken up screen on the last play. Last play, instead of just throwing it up for grabs, he just, just threw it down on the ground on fourth and five <laughs> to end the game. It was. And my favorite was I saw someone on Twitter is like, well, you know, that's smart because he avoids the pick six. And I'm like, he's down 14. I don't think the pick six really matters at that point. (laughs) And some people are just really bad at game theory. Yeah, it was it was one of those things that like you got to just throw the ball up for grabs. Like maybe you get a pass interference. Maybe someone comes down with it. But Jared Cook was angry last week. I don't know what got into him. He was really pissed off that whole game. It was very strange. I mean, I, I, I would think if you put in the work to stay in the NFL for a while, just to get there in the first place. And you end up playing on a team as dysfunctional and bad as the current (laughs) Raiders. You put in all that work and yeah, you're getting paid, but even when you're getting paid that much, I don't think knowing you're going to lose every week is fun. I think, I think sometimes we, we just over, we like overcorrect for the, Hey, they're making money. So it's cool. Like, right. They're still competitive. They still want to win. And I, insane, insanely, I don't think you can get that far unless you're insanely competitive as a human being. Yeah, so I, I think there's still something that just mentally screws with your mind when stuff's as bad as it is in Oakland right now. I think that's probably where that that rage came from. So on the on the Cardinals side, we talked about DJ um, Larry Fitzgerald. You know, since the since Byron left, left which has come in uh, double digit targets in both games. The price is really good at under fifty nine or at under six thousand on Fanduel at fifty nine hundred. The guy that I like in this offense though is actually Ricky Seals Jones, not on Fanduel but on DK at twenty nine hundred. He was back really active last week with a new play calling nine targets, five catches, fifty one yards. Um, George Kittle had one hundred eight yards on the Raiders in Week Nine. All three Colts tight ends scored in week eight, including your boy, Mo Alley Cox. Um, <laughs> I think at 2,900, if you're looking to save money and you want to, you know, get a couple of big running backs in or get a couple of these big receivers in, I think Seals Jones at 2,900 is a really, really nice option. It, it, obviously a tournament guy, some high risk with him, but he's, he's explosive. He's talented. He's athletic. And I think the price is so low and the targets last week are really intriguing to me. Uh, he's a guy that I really like at 2,900. Definitely for tournaments. I, I'm almost like tinker in cash lineups and see like, okay, maybe I'm just going to punt tight end. Like if, the, if I feel like the floor is high enough and I like everything else I've got, maybe even there I could try that with Ricky Seals-Jones this week. But uh, And is he any more of a punt than like those middle range guys? I mean, you, you, you look at a lot of those tight ends, you take Ertz off the board and you know, even we talk about 
OJ Howard, everything, you know, I mean, they have more upside and they have probably a better floor, but you know, those guys can bust too. I mean, we talked about Jack Doyle last week and I think tight ends becoming, unless you're paying up, it's becoming a spot where if you can save some money, I, I'm interested in that with nine targets last week. Yeah. And even like his previous floors, four, four, six, five, four, I mean, kind of averaging a little less than five in the five weeks coming into last week. I think, I think that's a, that's pretty normal for the position. So I, I'm, I'm really kind of curious to see if I end up using Seals Jones as like a pentathlon tight end just to have all that extra cash to spend up elsewhere. Well, when you click on my lineup at uh, at 10.01 on uh, on Sunday, I, I think it's a pretty high likelihood that Seals Jones will be in mine. All right. So maybe he ends up in, in two out of the uh, the 12 lineups this week. <laughs> there you go. We didn't talk about uh, defenses very much. Uh, the Cardinals defense probably going to be popular. The, the Raiders have given up uh, about 900 sacks the last two weeks. Uh, obviously, they haven't really turned the ball over. Derek Carr hasn't thrown a pick in four weeks, but most of that's because he gets, gets the ball out quick and doesn't throw it to anybody. But uh, do you like the Cardinals defense? I kind of like Pittsburgh this week against Jacksonville. If I'd make a big play against Bortles. Uh, is there a defense that sticks out to you on the board, maybe aside from Arizona? Uh, yeah, Pittsburgh, Jacksonville. I kind of wish Washington threw it more because I think I would like Houston as well but they just there's such a shell offense that sack potential kind of goes down so houston's a little fringy for me i would say arizona's high up on the list when there were rumblings that Jameis winston was going to start for the bucks the giants were kind of peaking my interest since they're <laughs> going to fits that's kind of uh, cooled off a little bit but i would say yeah pittsburgh is one of those teams that especially on dk where they're only like 2900 and like that's that's fine i mean it's not it's not ridiculous to just sneak them in there yeah, and Pittsburgh's the seventh highest uh, ranked defense on FanDuel price wise. They're under four thousand. Where there's six teams over four thousand, I think I like them the best of that. Uh, Baltimore's interesting, but uh, you know Andy Dalton did well against them in the first game. But uh, I think Baltimore's interesting. The Chargers, I think, are, are kind of a big play. Interesting if if Joey Bosa plays. I saw he was back at practice. Uh, I don't know if he's going to play or not, but he's back at practice. And I think the Case Keenum could, could make a couple couple mistakes in the second half. So for me, it's probably uh, Chargers if I pay up. Steelers if I'm looking to save some money, and then kind of Cardinals maybe and, and a couple lineups too. Yeah, the Broncos allow a lot of sacks. Twenty four sacks on the season. Keenum throws enough picks. Ten picks. I think that's. Third highest total of the teams on the board. Uh, so, you know, the Bucks throw a lot of them. So that's where the Giants appeal comes from. So, yeah, I, I can see the Chargers, especially if Bosa goes, being a defense that uh, ends up being worth paying for as well. Before we go, give me a uh, give me a score for the Monday night game. I think I'm going Rams 37, Chiefs 34. Oh, so living up to the hype then. Oh, yeah, living up to the hype. How about you? Uh, I'm gonna go uh, Chiefs 38, Rams 31. Okay, so yeah, we're we're both looking at that over and saying, yeah, let, let's let's <laughs> yeah. go with that. That will be uh, that'll be a fun one. I'm glad it moved to LA. That uh, the whole Mexico bad field of it uh, was gonna maybe potentially put a damper on it, but now you get that back in the Coliseum. That is gonna be a fun Monday night game. No, this is gonna be an awesome week as a whole. I mean, I, I just look at yeah, I think at, so too. The the Sunday night game is is a good matchup with the Vikings Bears Thursday night tonight. You get Packers Seahawks, and then of course. Chiefs Rams on Monday and a lot of good close matchups up and down throughout Sunday afternoon as well. So it should be a great week for DFS just for general enjoyment as well. Agreed. One of the one of the better weeks that uh, one of the better slates I've seen so far this season, even with the six teams on by. Um, thanks, everybody, for listening to the Rotowire NFL DFS podcast. If you want to follow us on Twitter, I am at Scott Jenstead. Derek is at Derek Van Riper, all one word. Again, if you could please rate or view the podcast, we'd greatly appreciate that. We'll be back at you next week. We're actually going to record on Wednesday, I believe, next week. Uh, we're going to try and uh, hit the Thanksgiving slate, too. we got three games on Thanksgiving, so we'll try to do a, a mini Thanksgiving slate, and then we'll hit the main slate on the same podcast, too. So look forward to talking 
uh, a lot of games with you next week. I hope everybody has a good fantasy week and take care.